I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome to the Framestore podcast, our second of four special episodes where we review what was 2022 through the lens of hand-picked members of Framestore leaders in film and episodic advertising, immersive and pre-production services. As I'm sure you know by now, our podcast is a learning and talent development focused podcast made by Framestore for Framestore. And each week we present a conversation across two halves, but not on these episodes. Firstly, there's no co-host. It's just yours truly chatting to our senior leaders. And rather than the usual set questions designed to find out what makes our guests tick, we've altered the questions to focus more on the work, the shows and the people. Our special guest for this episode is James Razzle, President of Advertising in North America. This is another killer listen and a great opportunity to cast our minds back over the last year, aided by another set of incredible projects, experiences, and of course, James's perspectives. So that's it from me. We very much hope you enjoy episode six of the Framestore podcast with James Razzle. Hello and welcome to the second of four special episodes of the Framestore podcast, looking back across 2022. As mentioned in the short introduction at the top of this episode, we have temporarily changed the format of our first episodes of 2023 by reflecting on our work last year via a new version of the Framestore podcast dailies questions. As you know, we kicked off on Monday with COO for film and episodic Lucy Killick and joining us on today's episode, to talk about our incredible commercial work is our special guest, James Razzle, President of Advertising, based in LA. Welcome to the podcast, James. Happy New Year to you. Hi, Simon. Happy New Year to you too. Thanks for getting me on. How's things? How's, uh, how's life in uh, Los Angeles? It's great. It's been great. Yeah, it's uh, actually, we're talking at a very unusual time because there's a two-day rain event happening oh, wow. where everyone is absolutely panicking. Freaking out, the whole city apparently is going to grind to a halt. But yeah, it's good. There's no sun shining, but everything's good. Yeah, I think most of us got a break, you know, for the for the holidays, and you know, ready to get back to it. So all good. Well, every time I'm in LA, there's always a drought, so it must be quite refreshing for for yourself, James. Maybe not the rest of uh, Los Angeles, but you're probably quite happy with a bit of a bit of drizzle. It is. It is. It's a bit. It's a bit home from home, you know, getting, getting a bit of rain. I like it. And, uh, and actually, it means that there's a load of snow up in the mountains. So for any of us who are into skiing and all that, we can, uh, we can always think about that when it's pouring. So you've got the vistas. Do you, are you a skier, James? Will you be venturing into the, the mountains? I am, yes. I am. I love skiing. Are you? Did you have any over Christmas? Yeah, we did, actually. We did. We went up to Colorado. Um, my fiance's family um, uh, are up there or were up there for the holidays and we had a good few days skiing. So it was very nice. Oh, nice. So fully, fully refreshed and raring to go. So James, thanks for agreeing to come on the podcast. This is a bit of a, a special episode. Uh, normally we'd have you on and there'd be a co-host and we'd probably have two episodes. We'd normally have you on uh, the Monday episode and then we'd unleash the co-host to uh, 
interrogate you further for part two, but we thought we'd do a, 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 a almost a quadrilogy of uh, special episodes during the first two weeks of the, the year proper to reflect over last year. And I guess my first question before we open the vault and uh, and get stuck into what we're calling the, the Frame Store podcast dailies is how was 2022 for you? Well, it was a it was an interesting year and quite a strange year. Um, we I think you know, as a business, we actually did really well in advertising. And I think um, it was, you know, it, it, we've adapted a lot since the beginning of the pandemic. And I think actually the industry's bounced back pretty well. Uh, we've done, you know, we've been working on some really nice big projects, which, was, which you know, generally is a, is a sort of goal for us to get those, you know, big trophy jobs um and we've been working across the u.s really well all of all of the creative teams and ep teams and everyone's really been aligning well so we i think we've been we've had a really good year yeah all in so and and obviously we you know with the the challenges of remote work and all of all of you know the the sort of things that are affecting our industry as a whole it's been a been quite an undertaking so I'm really proud of everyone for that. It's been a massive year hasn't it and we talked about this on the last episode about being it being such a year for change across all, all of our disciplines whether it be the the new studios what happened with methods the whole um, as you you've allu- you're alluding to the whole hybrid working kind of situation different studios at different stages of coming out of their lockdowns as well as delivering the work and I mean, I mean there's so many shoots that have all been kind of you know virtual production or yeah. Or, or you know, everybody's running around on set with their with their masks on, not knowing what to do. I mean, it's a you know, to to have a great year off the back of that is no mean feat. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the 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 sort of on set in America is probably the safest place you can be for not getting COVID. It's one of the the last bits of the industry that is just fully you know everyone has to mask, everyone has to be tested. Um, I went by a shoot on a big uh, Super Bowl commercial that we're doing. Uh, just before the break and it took me about an hour and a half to just get on set um you know which which is fine but you know when you look at the rest of all other industries it's all just sort of master off and it's just like get on with it let's see so um it's luckily it hasn't really affected us i mean it does add a lot of cost to the productions which is seems a bit of a racket but uh but you know it's uh it's good you know we haven't you know, like like we didn't have such a big gap at the beginning of the pandemic as, as you know film and episodic did you know the, the commercial production industry bounced back really quickly so that was good it meant we didn't you know it, we didn't lose too much um pace uh during that so yeah all, all good overall great so uh, i imagine it's been pretty back-to-back then because the nature of commercial work is it's varying degrees of turnaround on on various projects it has, Simon. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the tricky thing, and this has always, you know, been one of, the, one of the problems that frustrates us all is that it feels that all the work always lands at the same time. So there are certain key deadlines within the calendar, you know, and I'm talking specifically for the, for the, for the US, but it's the same in the UK with all the Christmas ads and all that stuff. But, you know, basically, you know, we end up where like, at certain times we're having to turn away work and then at other times we're kind of in need and it's this sort of roller coaster of balancing that which is a it was a always a bit of a challenge but 
you know, it's a good place. In my world, it's a good place to be if we're in that, you know, in that position where we're turning stuff down. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be one of my next questions was, uh, have you had to turn any work away? I mean, that's a, yeah, a, lot. a privileged position to be in, isn't it? A, a lot. And, you know, the, the good side of that, it's always frustrating when it's really nice work and we know that people would love to do it and it's exciting stuff and it's challenging, etc. But it's good because you can sort of be in a position where you can slightly pick the ones that don't have enough time and even though I'm sure a lot of people will think most of the jobs we do don't have enough time um, just because that's sort of the nature of the beast these days but you know it does give us that option to be able to select the ones that are actually funded properly and have a bit of time you know enough time to be for us to be able to deliver to the standard we would expect so yeah it's it it's certainly better than chasing you know if when everyone in the industry is just chasing a small amount of work that's that ends up in that awful kind of race to the bottom, which we definitely want to avoid. Did you find that was the case during uh, the Super Bowl? It does, you know, it does sometimes. And we did for for a number of years, and and I'm talking, you know, back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, there was always this sort of belief with a lot of our clients that just because it was the Super Bowl, we would just almost do it for free. Whereas they're spending a fortune on the airtime and the talent and, you know, putting these big celebrities and all the money goes to them. And then there's an expectation that what would be left, we would do just so that we'd have the profile. You know, it, it, we can't really justify doing that. Like we're funding some giant, massive, you know, huge com companies marketing. Um, and luckily the last few years, we've actually done really well. I think this year we have probably... I think 10 or 11 even uh, for, for the big game. And one which is a, which is a Framesill Pitchers job. So we're directing it as well, which is great. You know, so, and, and the last few years have been similar numbers. And it's good as well because it's coming from all over. You know, there's work from all of our US offices. Yeah, which is great. Well, I'm sure we'll get into all of this uh, as we go through the dailies questions, James. I have this awful habit on the podcast of... Uh, getting all the questions answered before I answer them. And then I don't, I don't get to <laughs> yeah. throw in all the, the VFX samples and sound effects. Yeah. So should we uh, should we get into our, our Framestore podcast daily? So I'm going to cue yeah. the dramatic sound effects. And we'll get straight into it. And to my point, I've kind of already given the first question away, but I always ask it anyway, which is... Uh, we call it who, where, what, who are you, where are you, and what are you working on, if you're allowed to talk about it. Well, my name is James Razzle. I am a president of advertising in North America, and I am currently in Los Angeles. I'm in Santa Monica. How long have you been in Santa Monica? Um, so I've actually moved here recently. I was, I've always lived on the west side, just because it was sort of near, nearer the office. But yeah, we moved um, back in September. And it's been great, you know, it's very quick to the office when we are there. And, uh, you know, it's, I, you know, I like this part of town. So, yeah, it's been good. Yeah. And you're getting into the office much. What's the situation in, uh, in California? Well, we, we're trying, we're trying, you know, we're trying. And I, I actually really want to get in, um, in some form, like a lot of, you know, the different offices we have. We've, we've talked about trying to get people in for a one day a week just starting with a, a Tuesday where certain teams can just get together and we can do it for the sort of team building and morale purposes and do certain meetings together. 
the challenge is that we keep having these spikes in LA, you know, so suddenly they'll be like, are we, go- are we going to bring back the mask mandate? Are we going to, so it's sort of one step forward, two steps back in a sense. Um, but look, we've, towards the end of the last year, certainly the EPs and various people, we were getting together and going in and it does go a long way. I think just seeing your colleagues and, you know, having that FaceTime, it definitely works. So we'll see. It's frustrating, isn't it? Because you, you miss those. Uh, we t- again, I, we, I talk about this a lot on various podcast episodes. But you miss those what I used to call in training circles cafe conversations. Like we'd go to big events where you'd watch all these great speakers and all the um, all the great learning came from the conversations afterwards in the in the coffee breaks. And it's the same with meetings. You bounce from all of these kind of celebrity squares meetings, uh, and you're not getting any of that interplay, which uh, is where the magic happens, arguably. Hundred percent. So the next question, James, is how long have you worked here? Now, I've done my research and you've been at Framestore a good chunk of time, but I'm going to let you answer the question. I have, yeah. Not, not wanting to date myself too much, but I mean, it's quite easy for me, Simon, because I joined in January 2000. Oh, nice. So I can literally, it's 23 years. Uh, which is, you know, which is considering I'm only 26. It's quite amazing. Of course. Well, I know. You're looking well. The, <laughs> What's your secret? The, um, uh, <laughs> um, no, it's been great. And, and I, I'm sort of one of the lucky few, actually, who, you know, I started in the London office and was there for four years and then went to New York for a long, you know, for 10 years and then have been in L.A. for almost 10. So... I've kind of been doing that westward trajectory. Yeah, but yeah, it's a it's a long time. You know, it's it's, it's you know basically half my life. Listen, it's, it's a long time, isn't it? I mean, four years in London and then uh, the rest of it in in the states. I mean, what uh, what keeps you what what keeps you stateside, James? You know, it's interesting. I mean, when I came, actually, I I had an opportunity to come over to start the New York office, and I was the producer. I was relatively junior. Um, John, who was my boss at the time, John Collins, said, do you, you know, do you want to go? Um, Abby at Orchard had actually already had a bit of a stint. She'd been out there for three months and, and was the first choice. Uh, so, so she wanted to go. <laughs> she wanted to go back. And I and I got an opportunity. Um, and, you know, I figured I'd, I'd come to America for a year and it would be an adventure and whatnot. And then, yeah, next thing you know, it's uh, it's almost twenty years, and I'm I've got an American passport, and I'm you know I'm here. My my son's American, so he he's uh he's seven, so yeah, he, you know, there we go. Excellent, dealing with the uh, the American school system and all of that good stuff as well. <laughs> we were talking about before we hit record. Yeah, all that fun and games. Excellent. Well, we, this is a, a remote recording, so if there's a family hubbub in the background, it's it's all all forgiven, all forgiven. He's playing he's playing Minecraft right now. So oh, of course pretty, he is. He's, he's probably very <laughs> very distracted. So we're going to get into the work now, James. And uh, the, I guess question three is the first question of the work based questions. But w- what do you consider to be, in your opinion, the breakthrough project of uh, of twenty twenty two? I mean, it, 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 it's interesting, Simon, in, in advertising, because there are, there are so many, you know, um, there, are, there are lots in different markets and there are lots for different reasons. Um, I mean, I think the Nike World Cup work we did was such a massive project and such a huge challenge and pushed everyone to 
extreme lengths. You know, it touched all sides of the office. As as someone who's into football, you know, it, it, it had a lot of ingredients of things that really appealed to me. And it was very challenging. And, and you know, for the people who were really in the trenches on it, it was it was a bit of a nightmare, to be honest. But I think the, the amount of work that got done and the quality of it was first class. So I'm, I'm really happy with that. I think Framestore Pictures also have had an amazing job. And Murray, you know, I said going to um, moving to New York, Murray was our creative when we when we started the New York office. And it feels like he's had some great projects, you know, directing and and uh, but big visual effects jobs. You know, the big uh, Marines job he did, the Cola job. You know, it's it sort of we've been pushing on the the production side getting the whole pot and doing the live action and the post for a long time and it does feel that the last year there were definitely some some breakthrough moments and Jen and Michelle and the team at Frameswell Pictures have really been uh, hitting them out of the park on a lot of those jobs with all our directors and lots of our directors working so that's been great. Yeah and circling back to the the, the Nike job I mean that for me, that took me back to the, the big epic Nike commercials of old, you know, like yeah. Right the Future and all of those big, almost 10 minute long yeah. commercials. I mean, when I watched that, there was a, I mean, I'm not massive, a massive football fan, but it's definitely gave me that pang of nostalgia and, and then all the amazing deep fake work. Yeah. Well, it's always been, it's always been an account that we've really obviously wanted to be in on, mate, you know, because a lot of us are, are big fans. And, but then it was, it was always with uh, one of our competitors. And then, you know, the, the agency have run that account for years and we just never really got a look in. So it was great to, great to get on that one. And like, like they did with Write the Future, it started off as a, I don't know, a, a 90 and a few versions. And then once they shot it all, it became a four and a half minute film, which obviously uh, was a massive undertaking. And uh, <laughs> anyone who was involved knows it. It wasn't. It wasn't easy. That's for sure. Well, I imagine there were a ton of new learnings and uh, you know a lot of uh, takeaway from that for the team in terms of moving on to the next similar similar job. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I think that area. I mean, really does seem such an opportunity. You know, some of the some of the deep fake technology, Christian uh, Nielsen you know, was running some amazing tests and, and you know, deep fake versions of these players' faces that, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And that technology is just ramping up and becoming more and more, you know, it's just so obvious that it's going to be a huge part of what we're doing. I mean, it's everywhere now, isn't it? I mean, I, uh, uh, my wife forced me to open a TikTok account, which I've, I've, I've avoided yeah. uh, this, this far. And there's, well, there's loads of it on there. It's nuts. It's not just uh, the high-end visual effects work. It's it's all over people's kind of TikTok videos, and it's yeah, it's, it's kind of terrifying but amazing at the same time. I mean, it's that sort of slight challenge with you know with technology where we we're trying to deliver work at a certain level, and then you have you have clients who are saying, well, what, what you know, why does it take so long? Why does it cost so much when you can just do it on an app? You know. And it is, you know, it, it, sometimes it's a kind of tricky thing to argue in a way because, you know, you look at it and it's that, it's that small percentage more of quality that takes all the extra time and the huge machine behind it. 
And the Nike Spot, you could just show them the Nike Spot. Whenever you get a challenge like that, just go watch this. Because you can't do that on a phone. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. And the, and the interesting thing with that job, I mean, it wasn't just the faces. There were, it ended up being, you know, 100, uh, 150 VFX shots or something. or No, more, 200. And uh, every shot had tons of work in it. You know, just all the sort of supplemental VFX stuff. Which, you know, it was, it was like doing a very involved short film, really, which... You know, on the on the um, ad side, we're not that. You know, we don't do that much of that work. So just the sheer volume and getting it through on a on a commercial timeline is pretty challenging. So hats off to everyone. I mean, having had some experience working on the, the commercial side when I was at the mill many many years ago, we did a load of work on uh, uh, directing actors and the whole piece around getting great performances. Because to your point commercials are often short turnaround both in yeah. terms of duration and 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 shoot time yeah but you're, you're, you're directing talent all the time you're making short films you're making short pieces of work and uh the performances still need to be believable it's no different to the conversation i had on the last episode about believing you know you get a brief and you've got to believe in that family unit or that person or that character or that creature you know and i think there's a a, a real it's a real skill it's not just the the, the tech and the visuals, right? Is that is that a fair assumption? For I'm sure. Maybe going out on a limb here, but no, for sure. I mean, I think there's often, you know, the the the, the developments that we've pushed in advertising actually are often slightly kind of forgotten, you know, because we we are working, you know, on a lot of features. I mean, I think it's changing a lot, and it and their timelines are also being compressed. But you know, for the last decade or longer. We've been working at an insane pace and having to develop stuff on the fly for one project, which then hopefully can be like followed into future work. But often, you know, we've got people who are developing tools and working on the fly to get stuff done. And it's, it's amazing what can be achieved. And also, you know, the, the comparison now, because we do so much work that's crossed over with certain IPs, you know, Marvel, for example, you know, we'll get assets from the film, which they've probably worked on it for six months to a year at least. And we'll be asked to do, you know, a sequence in, you know, a month, which, you know, I think people on the, on the film side just think we're absolutely nuts, but you know, it stands up. You know, we, we, we have to deliver work of the same quality or they, it'll be rejected, you know? So it's, it's an interesting challenge and it's, uh, it, 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 comes down to a lot of long hours i mean i think i think the even just the difference between the uk and the us is a massive like our, all of our you know helen and everyone in london are always just baffled by what we're asked to achieve in such a crazy amount of time and to your point though just the the brevity of work like the amount of work i mean uh, i got an invite to the the recent town hall just before christmas where with charles where i got to see all the work on the big screen but even just going on the website and going through the, the pages and pages of ads and all the different styles and approaches and different types of animation. And it's a factory, isn't it? I mean, there's so many, and it's all high quality content. It's not like nothing's just good enough. Yeah. This is the cheesy question, James. I'm sorry. When I, when I originally wrote it for the, 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 the main podcast, it's all, it's all about what's the best thing about working at frame stores. So it's kind of like the cuddly warm culture question. So we've tweaked it, uh, as what was the best thing about being part of Framestore this last year? You know, I think, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's an, it, 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 it's an interesting question. I mean, I, for me, I think definitely the opportunity for us to start getting people back together 
you know, one of the things that I've always valued about, you know, in fact, one of the reasons I've been at Francis for 23 years is because of the people I work with and wanting to spend time with them and, and, you know, socialize and talk about work while you're out. And, you, you know, it's not just about the pub, but, you know, that sort of culture, which certainly in London, we all grew up with. And I think that was really lacking through the pandemic. And I think, you know, the nice thing over the last year was that, you know, we could start getting people back together. And it was, it was interesting seeing how different people reacted to that because some people, you know, we all had it, didn't we? We were on lockdown and then it, we all became a bit socially kind of awkward. And, on, and some people are much more worried about, you know, the, the pandemic and some people aren't. And, and uh, it's a bit like we were all <laughs> cast away on an island and suddenly freed sort of thing. So that was great, actually. And we had an, in all of our cities in the US, we had, you know, some great get togethers. And it was just brilliant seeing everyone and, and having that opportunity to sort of have some fun and actually sort of see people face to face. So I think that would definitely be a highlight for me. Yeah, and I guess I've not had that because I, I joined Frame Store in January. So, yeah, everybody I met I was meeting for the first time. And I, when I left my last job, well, I lost my, I guess I, I you know, was at the mill and moved to PlayStation. Again, I, I, you know, I, I never went back to the mill. So like, lockdown happened when I left and then I was at PlayStation for two years and it was mostly remote anyway. So coming to Frame Store, I almost got kind of, you know, it must be a wonderful feeling to be reconnected to to teams after best part of what in some cases two years to see people in the flesh for the first time who you'd normally be sitting next to or in daily meetings with or you know what I mean I mean it's quite a special thing it really is yeah and and I you know and I always travel you know I would always travel a lot so I you know obviously as I said I, I started the New York office and then was very active in starting the Chicago office so I've spent a lot of time and I couldn't really do that during the pandemic. You know, no one was really traveling. So just doing that as well for me, just being able to go and visit the other cities and spend time with everyone, it's just great. I love it. So more more of that. Yeah, bring it on, bring it on. Well, hopefully things will will ease, particularly in, uh, in, in your part of the world, James, going into this year. In terms of capabilities, this is an interesting question. Uh, I've had to be really cryptic with uh, reworking these questions for these special episodes. Uh, and the question goes, what, what, what piece of work, what project truly showcased Framestore's capabilities in 2022? How did we really push the envelope? And I think that would, I think that, you know, I would say that the Nike World Cup project would probably be that, you know, I think we, there are so many examples of other projects, you know, it's very hard to sort of compare and say one's better or more impactful than the other. But I think what we did on that project and achieved in such an insane amount of time was, was unbelievable. And, and like I was saying, you know, the, the face replacement work while, you know, we all know there were, we, there were hiccups and we were trying to work through a lot of stuff on the fly. I think that set us up in a good stead for a lot of future work that will be coming. Yeah. Again, a great answer and, and a worthy answer. I'll, I'll let you have the same same job for another question. That's all good. That's allowed. Um, but yeah, what was the? I'm, I'm interested to hear behind the curtain a bit with this this particular project, James, in terms of the uh, 
might be an obvious question, but the feedback from the client, you know, what was the overall response? You know, were there a lot of tweaks going through that process or were they kind of completely blown away by that end result? There, there were. I mean, the challenge, the main challenge with it, and Alex Thomas, who was our, you know, an old friend of mine, obviously, and our supervisor on the project and creative director, you know, we started out this job as it was a 90-second commercial with two 30s, I think, and various other bits of content. And then it ended up growing into this four-and-a-half-minute film, which did have visual effects in every shot. And, it, you know, it was basically four, probably three, if not four times as much work on the same calendar. With, you know, the challenge with this stuff is that we don't have tons and tons of people who are just sitting around waiting for that to happen. So, you know, it, it was a huge undertaking to try and get that done. And certainly he worked his absolute, you know, he, he almost killed himself working on it. Did so many long hours, didn't get a day off in six weeks, barely slept. Um, you know, it was it was insane. And, and you know, the, the, the tricky thing with this, uh, the clients were you know, they just wanted to get it done and they were working with us at certain points, you know, that, you know, the thing with visual effects where one, if they start to sort of second guess stuff, that's where things start going awry because then notes start coming in from all over and you're chasing your tails a bit. I mean, it's interesting. I spoke to a friend of mine who edited the um, Elton John uh, spot that MPC did a few years ago. And he, and he was saying it was the same on that. Like, Literally up until the very final day, they, you know, everyone was freaking out that it wasn't working. And finally, on the fi- on the last day, it came together. And that was that was there was certainly, you know, like everything, we would have liked a bit more time if we'd had it. But uh, what everyone pulled out was was amazing, and we got we got it over the line. So it was it was a team effort all round. And speaking of feedback, do you, do you ever get feedback from the talent? You know, so many kind of like footballing legends in that spot. You know, did anybody, any of those big names approve? I think so. I mean, I th- I think they obviously get, or they all get to approve, or their people get to approve them. I mean, it was funny because some of them, it felt, were approved by them before they were approved by our clients. <laughs> so that was somewhat frustrating. Uh, I think from all accounts, Cristiano Ronaldo is the one who's the biggest pain. Or, you know, on a tangent, years back, we did we did Macy's ads, which had Donald Trump in them. <laughs> and he was, he was the most demanding about how he looked. Wow. <laughs> wow. That was a bit of an experience. It was, yeah. Seeing him on sets, selling his crappy ties. I wouldn't have imagined that he would become president, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's lots more anecdotes uh, in that that similar vein, James, which I'm sure we can get to if we have time. Next question, James, is how did Framestore surprise audiences last year? Yeah, what what do we pull out of the bag that really kind of, you know, took people by surprise? Do you know, the thing for me as a a Londoner um, who's, you know, expat, he's been in America so long, watching Paddington with the Queen. Oh, yeah. that, That was it for me. I mean, absolutely killed it. It was so so brilliant and so timely with it being, you know, the end of her reign, etc. So yeah, I think that's got to be it. Heart, heartwarming. Everyone, everyone I've spoken to about just loved that. It was amazing. Oh yeah, thanks for mentioning that. We've not had that one come up on the podcast yet, 
James. And uh, yeah, I remember when it when it dropped as well. So I remember uh, Fiona teased it, teased it out via email, didn't she? Just going, yeah. Make sure you tune in at X X time. And uh, I sure as hell didn't expect to see that. It was such a nice. I should have, right? I mean, I, I guess I'm still a fairly new member of the Frame Store team. It was great. No, I think it was all very top secret, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and we sort of had to keep keep it under wraps, but. I thought she was brilliant. Oh, I mean, you know, I'm not a massive royalist or anything. Yeah, but yeah, it was it was excellent. Yeah, yeah, same. I've never, yeah, I've never, been, I've never watched the, uh, the Queen's speech. You know, never. I mean, obviously watched the Kings this year, but uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah, never been a massive royalist, but it was a, a very sweet piece of work. It was brilliant. No, that's a great example. Great, great callback. Thank you, James. So moving into lessons learned, um, what big lesson or lessons did you or we learn in 2022? Do you think, James? Well, I think it's been, you know, we've talked about this and I know Mel's mentioned, you know, Mel's mentioned it in the town halls, et cetera. You know, I think the biggest lesson, which is not necessarily one we've learned this year, this last year, but it's certainly been magnified is the talent. You know, Framestore is the talent. That is what we live and breathe on. And I, and, and I think in a market that we saw last year where there was a competition for talent, there's a lot of new companies starting up there's a lot of you know there's just a lot of movement and I think that's not necessarily caused by frames still doing anything wrong it's more just that people are at home and they're not with their peers and there's a, it's it's sort of easier in a sense for people to think oh someone someone's just offered me a different job oh I'm just going to go on a different screen in, in, my, in my in my home anyway um you know so I think that less, you know, I think we as a company are massively, and I know, Simon, you're, you're key in this, you know, pushing how do we, how do we make frames of the place that everyone wants to work at and, and, and really building on those values that certainly have kept people like me here for so long. But, you know, when people have joined, they don't necessarily have all that leg, you know, they don't. They don't see all that legacy stuff and, and we need to stand out and, you know, be that place that we can have the next, you know, people who are here 20 in 20 years time. Yeah. So it's a really interesting conversation, isn't it? Because everything I read about the next generation coming through, like your Gen Z's and your, your millennial generation, yeah. there's almost less, um, not less loyalty, but there's more movement naturally. I mean, I've, sure. I've read loads around, you know, the next generation being more entrepreneurial and, yeah. you know, they're their main job isn't their only source of income or their, you know, they don't live and die by the brand. Yeah. I don't know what your thoughts are around that, but it's really interesting. Com- completely. I mean, it, uh, as someone, you know, who's been here so long, I mean, it, it's weird. It's unusual. You know, there aren't that many people who, who stay so long. And, and luckily for me, I had the opportunity to move geographically and my role, you know, I've sort of kept moving, you know, up and have had all those opportunities provided to me by the company and and given that you know you look at you know Charles who's running you know the same it's like we all we all started very junior in London and have been given this opportunity to build something in America which is amazing um and that's what we want as a company you know we want people to be showing the you know that they want to do that and they want that they have the, the the you know the potential to do whatever so I think that's what's always been really great with William and Mel and Mike and everyone is very supportive 
of that homegrown talent, which is, you know, what it's all about. I mean, I've seen it in the investment in uh, in, in my team. You know, I've always been used to being a, a one-man band in training and development. And then I come to Framestore and I've seen my team grow exponentially in yeah. less than, well, it's still less than a year. I still haven't clocked my first 12 months with with the studio yet. Um, and that goes to show that that commitment to talent development and support. And yeah. A lot of the work that, that we're doing in talent development is around community building and creating that value proposition that's not just the the great work and the great brand but actually being part of something like you say yeah it's an interesting one i could get stuck i could get really stuck into this but i'm gonna uh, i'm aware of, of time james um one thing I'll, I'll i'll wrap up this question with is my my take on on industry is that industry blew up in the 90s didn't it like the vfx industry as we know it now and do you think we're um we're starting to see that next generation of the industry becoming uh, present. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I think it's different. It, it, it's it's a tricky one. There's obviously there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people who you know came through at a similar time to me or before who are you know who are established and they're set in their ways. But the next, it's harder for the next generation of creative leadership to come through you know and 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 that's not because it's not supported necessarily it's just things have changed the world has changed and and we're sort of battling technology you know in a sense technology is going to change our industry massively I mean it's, it's just obvious you like over the break the amount of press we're reading about all the AI stuff and you know this image generation stuff that you know it's just insane so there's no way we're not going to be massively disrupted. And the reality is there's, there's an opportunity for people to be embracing that and working out what that means. And that probably isn't necessarily going to be the old guy, the old guard. You know, it'll be, it'll be the sort of, you know, the next generation coming through and saying, why don't we do it like this? So moving on from lessons and into, uh, I, love, I love the term MVPs, most valuable players or player, but um, who, I mean, you've mentioned a few names already, James, but um, who has been your MVP or MVPs over the last year? There are so many and it's always, it's always hard, isn't it, to pick out a bit like the jobs, but you know, Carla, who runs production in LA, 100% should, you know, she deserves a medal because she has... She's fought a lot of fires throughout the year and she's just always there. She's always able to help come up with solutions. Um, you know, she's she's brilliant and she's really sort of, you know, we've had a lot of change in production, people coming and going, but yeah, she does, She definitely deserves an MVP shout in my book. Thank you. Nice one. Big big up, Carla, for sure. Anyone else you want to throw in? But it's too many names, isn't it? The more you, more you mention, people will start to go, what about me? Yeah. So maybe stick to one. <laughs> I'll stick with that. Play it safe, James. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a strong choice for sure. Um, and then I guess the final question around, uh, I guess, the, the work and the, the, the craft piece is around tools and approaches. And we've talked about deep fakes in a bit of detail already. But the question is, what tools or approaches that were developed in 2022 came into their own in the last year? Yes. I mean, I, I, I think sort of from a creative point of view, I think all of those advances in deep fake, you know, um, face replacement work, the stuff we're pushing. I mean, obviously, the real-time stuff as well, you know, we haven't really touched on, but some of the um, the new version of Unreal Engine, which I've seen, and, you know, all the stuff we're doing on the LED panels for shoots, etc. 
I mean, it's amazing, and it is. It's just obviously going to be a huge part of what we're doing. I mean, I'm mean, excited. I'm, I can't wait to see the stuff Tim's doing in London, and you know, really dig into all of that. But yeah, and then you know, from a from a sort of as a sort of as a producer in my bones, you know, all the stuff we've been doing with Salesforce has been great, actually. You know, and sort of getting. Um, just aligning every, everyone in the US and getting the, you know, the, that, C, it sounds really boring, but the CRM stuff together, you know, it's always been something that we've been lacking. And I think that's definitely helped us in, you know, working as a bigger team, as one team and being able to secure some really good work. So, yeah, across the board, I think we've been doing, doing well with the tools. And, and for those folk listening who don't, aren't aware of what Salesforce is, you know, what, what what is it in a nutshell, James? I mean, it, it's a it's a CR. So it's basically a database. Really, the heart of it is a database of all the jobs and all the clients, and it's just an easy way of us being able to track how where jobs are coming in, who we're dealing with, being able to know you know have a history of stuff. So the as you build, as you work with this software, the longer you have it, you can then pull up data. And if someone calls an office, we'll know exactly what they've bid with us in the past, how many jobs we've done with them, what happened. You know, there's a whole record of it, which really does help us on the sales side. I guess it glues everyone together as well in one, one fell swoop. It, it does, and you can connect it into your email. And it, you know, there's all there's all sorts of tools where it will remind you to contact people. Uh, you know, later and all, all sorts of stuff that is, is very helpful in the kind of securing of the work. So that's almost a time management tool. You're starting to speak my language now, James. I'm much more interested in uh, Salesforce than I am in uh, <laughs> Unreal and, and deep fakes. But yeah, no, that sounds amazing. There you go. There you go. Case to the, case to the masses. <laughs> so our next question um, is around um, a message that you want to leave our, our frame store teams with going into 2023 so yeah what message or advice do you have for our, our frame storians out there i mean i i would say and i touched on this slightly earlier but i would say that there's a reason that i've been at Framestore for 23 years and i think as a company i know certainly myself and all of the senior management really genuinely support anyone who wants to further themselves and push themselves and prove themselves within the company. And I think the main thing is to just ask questions and be, you know, be inquisitive and check in and try to, you know, try to prove yourself, you know, to get, ask if there's more you can do. And I know it's hard because, you know, in the older, in, in, in the olden days, we, we, there was a lot more time but there's a lot more time between projects and people had a lot more time to be able to do that stuff. Yeah. But I genuinely feel there's so many people within our ranks who are so keen to mentor people. Yeah, definitely. And really that just comes from a spark of someone showing enthusiasm. Yeah. So I think, you know, doors are always open. Don't feel that you're not, you know, no one wants to help because we all do. And the mentoring program, uh, I mean, it's a lovely segue into me talking about the mentoring program, which is my one of my favorite subjects. Is it still alive and well? Like a lot of people think that it's a program that, you know, if you didn't sign up when we went live in the summer, then you've missed the boat. I mean, people still continue to sign up both as 
as mentors and mentees. So if there are any folks out there who are keen to, to, to mentor, as you say, they should absolutely sign up. It's all on Confluence. It's all, it's all there. And there's so many great stories already. You know, there's uh, the head of uh, technology in, um, or information technology in, in LA mentors, uh, one of the engineers in London, and they're already talking about and going out and spending a bit of time with the team. You know, it's, it's really exciting. So I think that appetite for mentorship is something that I've been really taken with. 100%. At Framestore, you know, when I launched the program, the literally people just bit my arm off, and uh, we've already got these incredible, incredible stories going on all over the business, and people connected across multiple geographies. That's great. So, James, what's one question you wish? It's my favourite question. Well, I'm really interested to see what you do with this. Is what's one question you wish I'd asked you, and how would you have answered it? Oh, it's, a, it's a tough one, isn't it? I know. Well, there's a part of it where, no, I, I guess, I guess I'd be interested in in you asking me about sort of what I think the where I think the future of our, you know, to me, the the touching on the virtual production side of the business, which isn't something that I necessarily am actively, you know, I'm not part of that group, but to me that feels so inspiring as a as an area of massive growth for us and we've had some really good forays into it in 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 LA and in the US overall you know Ben West one of our directors and CDs directed a massive jeep thing which used a lot of unreal virtual production backgrounds Michael Rallo who's another creative director you know has been actively involved in it and lo- and loads of our talent have done the unreal fellowship and you know to me that just feels like such a big opportunity for us in so many ways and being able to as a big visual effects company creative company if we can get people in the door and show them this amazing tech even if part of it is a bit of a kind of like dog and pony show it just wows people and i think we're i think we're we're a really good point where we have that opportunity and we don't necessarily have to massively invest there's there are stages being built everywhere but we but i think that that's one area where i think we can sort of almost consolidate all of our different learnings through the immersive team through the pictures directing team through the you know through the previous guys all of it kind of aligns and i think we could do really well with it I guess the term virtual production has become a bit of a buzzword as well of late. And to actually see those LED walls and just how epic they are, you know, it's, it's mind-blowing, isn't it? It's amazing, yeah. It is. When you go on set, um, I mean, it's, it, it is pretty, pretty fabulous, yeah. Oh, it's nuts. Yeah, I've only ever seen it on kind of BTSs, but yeah, just to see them in, in the flesh, or the flesh, see them in the, in the tech would be, would be incredible on a shoot. Thank you for getting involved with that, James. That's a great answer. So final but one question is, uh, and actually this could lead in quite nicely from your last question, is who would you like to hear from on the podcast in 2023? I'm turning around episodes every week. So who would you like to hear? Do you know, this may sound a little bit of a kind of old old guards pulling together, but I think Murray Butler. Ah. I think Murray, who... You know, what, you know, Murray is one of the few. Well, there's a few people who've come to America and then returned to the to the homeland, but not that many. You know, most people have sort of stayed. And and I think Murray has he. You know, he went. He came to to New York with me 
you know, let's face it, he was the talent and I, I was helping sort of produce his, his talent. So, um, and he's just gone on really, you know, grown really well and his directing career is going like leaps and bounds. And I think he's, he's got a really good take on the company as a whole. So, yeah, I'd say uh, put Murray in the hot spot. Excellent. Well, he's on my list officially now. So, Murray, if you're listening, um, I'm coming for you. Um, <laughs> same with a load of names you've mentioned, actually, throughout the podcast uh, today, James. So uh, plenty of people in the uh, in the frame on my, my spreadsheet already. <laughs> Good. No pun intended. So uh, that's all the kind of main questions, James. But we always save the, the most insightful one till last, which is the one we ask everyone. And uh, this is the, one of the few questions that hasn't been tweaked for our 2022 review, which is, if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? And there's some incredible food out there in LA. So I'm looking forward to this one. There is. Now, this may be... Um, well, I love eating food, as you can probably tell by the video. <laughs> but the... <laughs> I am um, it, it being an unusually rainy week in LA I think this is the one that's you know bubbling to the top there is a ramen place in LA on Sortel which there's this little area that's it's not little Tokyo but it's another little Japanese enclave where we go to this ramen place where they do chatsu sukuman ramen which is this hot bowl of hot noodles that you then dip in this Brahmin broth, which has all the egg and meat and everything, and is cooked for about three or four days. And it is quite possibly the most delicious thing. I think if I ate it every day of my life, my life would probably only last about another two <laughs> yeah. years. But it might be worth it. It might be a nice way to go. I think that's a blaze of glory right there. And I thank you for mentioning, I mean, to be fair, it's nearly nearly dinner time over here in uh, in London uh, and I'm getting hungry. But uh, ramen, first appearance on the podcast, one of my favourite dishes. There we go. The best ramen, best meal I ever had, if I had to answer this, and again, I like my food, is uh, when I used to travel to New York and I'd always go to this place called, um, I forget what it's called now, but it's uh, they used to do this amazing ramen on, in Chinatown. Bassanova, that's it. They're called Bassanova. Oh, yeah. They're not there anymore. Yeah, yeah. Lockdown shut them down, which is such a shame. This little oh, little underground um, downstairs downstairs one. They used to serve Sapporo in these tins, these literal tins. Yeah. And right, the starter yeah. was Brussels sprouts with saffron and anchovies, oh. and then the main was this insane green chili ramen. And that's what I do. I'd get off the plane, I'd drop my bags off, and I'd go straight to Chinatown on Mott Street. Perfect hangover. And I'd yeah. smash that down, hangover <laughs> or not. It's just the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. So big fan of ramen. Big finish. Thank you, James. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything else you want to share with our listeners? Or are you happy for me to leave you to your 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 LA morning? No, I think that's all. But thank you very much. It's great to be included in this. I love, I'm loving what you're doing with this. Thank you, man. All the best and thanks again, man. Cheers. Yeah. Hopefully see you in LA. Yeah, hopefully. It's definitely on the bucket list this year. Thanks, Simon. Well, there you have it. That was episode six. Thank you, James, for another brilliant conversation. Join us next week for episodes seven and eight of the Framestore podcast, where we'll take a look back at 2022, but this time with senior leaders from Immersive and FPS. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then.